org. You know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And uh, Victory and J-Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, great. Yay. <laughs> We're going to get around to some calls. I feel like it's it's time for us to check in uh, with our listeners and, and make sure that they can um, give us some feedback on what we've been discussing, what we're looking at, because we're all in this together. Um, I wanted yeah. to do like a, a part two of Civilization's Only Hope. Um, it's the gospel that we present, the gospel that we live, um, asking the question, you know, why why any of Christianity, if not all of it? Mm. If, if everything that we're called to as Christians um, is what it means to be Christian, then why would you claim Christ and not apply all of that to yeah. your life? Like, yeah. Be faithful, be faithful. Amen. And I think increasingly for many of us, this this call to be faithful unto death is uh, is is coming near our dwelling. Mm-hmm. You know, this this understanding of what it is to be uncomfortable and to truly be a minority in a culture that um, largely is wicked. Yeah. And that's what we're facing. We're waking up to that. And it's a little bit jolting because for a pretty long time, I think it's safe to say. And I, I'd be curious to get your take on this. Will the great. I think it's been safe to say for a pretty long time that as a collection of people, we tilted toward being a more moral culture, yes, being generally good, um, and using that in a human sense, right? Right. Because um, <laughs> no you just have to read the scriptures. That's right, exactly. It's, it's, the scriptures, the scriptures will mess you up in a good way, <laughs> right? Like you'll have these terms that you use all the time, and then you start to read the Bible more closely, and you dig in, and you're like, wait. I probably shouldn't be saying that. Mm. I've said that for years. People mm-hmm. are good. Um, but yeah, so so I think generally speaking, you look back at the history of our country and for a very long time, we maintained that sort of um, de Tocqueville obser- observation mm. that we were good, right? That we were a moral people, that yeah. churches were filled and right. people that lived. There was a reason for that. There was a reason, <laughs> there was a reason for, for that, that. you yeah. know? And, and I think it's been difficult for us to kind of awaken to the reality that that's not the majority. Would you say so? No, I would agree. And I think we see it. It's evident, you know, if you just look at the headlines and look at what's going on, if you just go around the neighborhoods, like it's, it's all over. I think that to say that we are good people now, moral people, you know, that this country is a Christian nation. And I know that may rub some people wrong, but I, I would have to say like, man, we have turned away from God in so many areas, mm-hmm. you know, can we still have that, uh, distinction. I, now, mm-hmm. I don't believe that all hope is lost. I believe that yeah. we can always, you know, uh, come back and turn back to God, but we have to turn back. And I think the first uh, ones to turn back is the church. Yeah. You know, the church has yeah. turned away. And so yeah. when you have that happening, you know, when, uh, like you said, it was said that America was great pretty much because God was a part, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he was moving and, and doing things in the churches. Yeah were great because were great. she's good and mm-hmm. the, the, the preachers were preaching the gospel absolutely you know and so that's that's the reason for greatness it's not yeah. in who we are so 
Yeah. 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 I think if we get back to that, it's interesting though, because you said I know that this is gonna this is gonna rub pe- some people the wrong way when we start to move away from what we historically recognized as being um, a Christian nation, like driven by Judeo Christian values and driven by Judeo Christian principles that people just agreed upon. Like we just we all together we said, you know what, I agree, and and these things are self evident. I yeah. agree with things that are self evident. They don't yeah. they don't emanate from my um like my religious conviction alone. Yeah. Yeah. I am agreeing with what is just sort of like obvious. And I think that was a position that everybody could yeah. ju- could kind of just rally around. And I think it's difficult for us to um recognize that that has changed Mm. or admit that that has changed because maybe in some ways we think that that says something about us. Yeah. But I I just would like to encourage Christians that you've always been distinct in any culture that you've existed in. Come on. And so to be able to recognize that our country has secularized, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not is secularizing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But to be able to recognize that our country has secularized, that we live in um, a type of Babylon, right? Mm is not to say that you are that. Mm-hmm. It is not to say that you even want that or that you are enjoying that. Yeah. If in fact, it's true that you're not enjoying <laughs> yeah. that, right? But it is to say, man, we've got a big work to do. I think yes. being able to recognize those things and and realize that uh, acknowledging that does not mean that I am I am a part of that. Mm-hmm. It means that you exist in the tension that is you're in it, but not of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have to be able to say that. Mm-hmm. But I was joking last night and I was just thinking about this as we're talking. Mm-hmm. Um, joking last night, we got together with some friends and, um, you know, our our little Timmy <laughs> is he's <laughs> in that he's he's going to be two in September. And, you know. So he you got a jump start on it though. Oh man, man, he he's like man, he's like why wait for two when right. you know you could do it right now, and he's he's just everywhere and he's very strong willed. To me, is very man. very very strong willed. Like and he's we, not like really loud and and really no, but it's, not it's like very a, verbal. A silent, you know, like, it's a silent rebellion. Yeah, it's yep, like, man, yep, come on. And he, you can see and. and, and the, he, so he's not as verbal as some of our other kids have right. been. Um, in fact, speech has really kind of come late to him, which right. is crazy because he hears speech all, the, all time. the time. He just he just he's not really interested, you know. And so anyway, that's a whole other other topic. <laughs> but I was joking about him because he we can observe in him this rebellion, right? Yes. That is it's the sin of the heart, yes. right? We observe this rebellion. We often observe him getting a warning he fully understands and i feel so bad for him because yes. i've i've tested him <laughs> i've sent him to do complex things for example i'll just tell you parents like if sometimes if you're raising kids and you are not sure if that kid understands because you're like man i you know i don't want to discipline this kid if this kid really doesn't understand what i'm saying mm-hmm. okay right and sometimes our heart <laughs> watch it will make us think <laughs> that these kids don't understand so I have tested him many times, sending him to do complex things. For example, just this is a parenting moment here, okay? So for example, and then I'll get back to the point I'm making. So for example, send this kid, hey, go to your room and get your shoes. That's a complex command, all right? There are two things that he has to do. He has to go to his room. He has to retrieve shoes. And then, well, actually three things because he's got to bring them back to me, right? So go to your room and get your shoes. The very first time Buddy went to his room and got his shoes and brought them back to me, this is what I said to him when he came back. Oh, man, I'm so sorry, Buddy. 
<laughs> because now I know you understand. Right. Now There's I know no that you, you fully comprehend. So when I'm telling you, no, 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 don't grab that. And you oh, actually knows. count the costs, oh. right? And, and you, like, you can yeah. see their little minds. They consider it. They're like, you know, I'm mm. probably going to get a spanking. Probably going to get a hand tap for this. But there are some kids for whom it's worth it. They're just like, eh, it'll be but a moment, but I'm going to get this cup. You know what I mean? And Man, so so I was joking Timmy. last night. It's Timmy. That's Timmy. <laughs> I said, listen, guys, I'm fully aware of the strong will that I'm dealing with in this child. You know, there are some parents who wouldn't want to confess that their kid has a very strong will. Like, you, you know, mm. because they, they're just no, but he's aptly named. I feel <laughs> guys, forgive me if you have a kid named Timmy or forgive me if you are a Timmy. But I feel like Timmy is just that name. It is it is the name that you're like, Timmy, Timmy. It's it's a yeah, Timmy. You know, much. it's Timmy is just that name. Right. But there's a moment where parents don't want to acknowledge that their kid has that strong will mm. because they almost feel like it's it's an admission that there's a lack of perfection. Well, but there is a lack of perfection, right? I mean, because right, sin right. has infected all of us, there is a lack of perfection. And so I think that's part of what we hesitate to do in our country. We hesitate to say, man, you know, we live in a type of Babylon because we mm. think that it downgrades us on the world stage. Mm. That's that's not what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about American greatness, the structure and mm -hmm. the function and all of those mm -hmm. things. That's 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 actually a, that's a separate discussion a, yeah. a, or um a separate lecture, yeah. if you will. Yeah. When we talk about the spiritual implications of our posture, mm -hmm. that is where we have to come to grips and say, hey, yes. the moral decline in our country is obvious. Yeah. If we don't acknowledge that, if we don't diagnose that, mm -hmm. then we will not treat that. Right. Right. right? And so, so we will not carry the gospel in such a way um, so as to be effective. We yeah. will just identify ourselves as Christians and then continue on living the American dream. Yeah. When spiritually speaking, really we are in a, a sort of a nightmare. It is a sort of a nightmare. And, and the only way to turn that around, the only way to write it is by Christians living out the That's gospel, right. carrying the gospel into our various spheres of influence and saying, hey, you have a sin sickness, but there's a remedy for that. Mm -hmm. There's a remedy for that. And it may not be what the person expects you to lead with, but it is it is absolutely what they need. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely what they need. You, so, you, know, you know, it's amazing. I had a conversation yesterday with someone that we were talking about Benjamin Franklin. And mm -hmm. it goes to this, um, this this idea of, you know, uh, even from the beginning that there were not perfect people here. You know, right. even in the founding, we're talking about Benjamin Franklin, how he was pretty loose in his living. Like he mm -hmm. like to go to France and, you know, do things that was. But he understood <laughs> what was different. He understood that, you know, to have God at the head of a nation was a benefit That's for amazing. the whole nation. Like, right. even if he didn't want to live for God like that, you know, mm -hmm. he understood that, man, we, we need this guy to have a successful nation. <laughs> Today, amazing. Yeah. you know, we were talking about it. It's not so. It's like uh, people like oh, we don't need God. You know, it's, it's it's not the same. So even back then, even if they were not living what living one hundred percent for God and trying to follow mm -hmm. after Him, they had an, uh, a thought that an idea that man, we need God in the government. Like man. we can't. And and it's, it's it's amazing to consider that. You know. Yeah. Well, think about it. Like so. So your point here is is really interesting because I think there is something. And and <clears throat> excuse me, we can talk about this, but I I think there is something different about um, a person who is, um, oh, and 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to unpack this because I think you have to. But there's something different about a person who acts or lives in rebellion against God, but acknowledges that that it is. You know what I mean? I think there's something right. different that a person is saying, yeah, no, this is this is wrong. This is sin. Like there, there is a moral standard and I'm actually not living up to that <laughs> versus the person who says, no, it isn't. You can do whatever you want. You can. And, and I think that would kind of define the shift that we are feeling that we're mm-hmm. living in. It's there's there is something different because I think, again, getting back to talking about the difference in our country, even just a few decades ago or maybe just one decade ago, you know, mm-hmm. who knows? Um, I think there is something different about the caliber of people who had the conviction that there is right and that there is wrong Mm -hmm. so you you, it almost says that there is a starting point that a person can slide from Mm -hmm. like you you have a a um a moral platform upon which you stand and you say yeah god has a standard Mm -hmm. there are people who were able to say i'm not living up to that i Mm -hmm. know this is wrong i understand Mm -hmm. that it's wrong I, i i can't deny that in every you know fiber of my being my conscience testifies against me i do these things with knowledge i understand that i deserve judgment versus the person who is saying that there actually is no no such thing as moral rightness that there's there's no such thing as Mm -hmm. truth that Mm -hmm. there is no absolute truth right Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. there is only just what you feel um, or your truth, so to speak. Right. And I think that's where we are. That's the thing that is scariest. Yeah. It's not that you have people who would acknowledge, yeah, I know, I know that's wrong or feel shame, mm-hmm. right? Like we once, we once had a nation that was largely populated with people who were able to feel s- some sense of shame. <laughs> it's the people who were kind of like tried to keep their shacking up a secret. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about this. Yeah. It's the, It's the people who... There, there was once such a thing that was in popular culture called the down low, right? Because there was shame associated with that, that that was a, whatever the lifestyle was, right? That it was, mm, this is, this is not above board. So we kept this a secret, but we now live in a society where, as you often say, with a high hand, Mm. um, you've got the wicked proudly parading in a literal sense. Yeah parading about <laughs> really yeah there i mean come on that's where we live and so what we're doing here even in talking about civilizations only hope mm-hmm. that we as the purveyors of the gospel it's not it's not just that long pass of the gospel it's hand to hand which means living it out each person in his or her generation yeah. so we're going to pick up with that today this is Aaron the addison's american family radio we'll take a break and be right back Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening um, 2 to 3 Central, 3 to 4 Eastern. We really do appreciate that. Thank you so much for joining us as we look at the issues of the day and just uh, filter that through biblical conviction, um, making much of the gospel mm-hmm. every single day um, as often as we can. We can't do it enough, um, making much of the gospel. That's, that is civilization's only hope. 
And the point of yesterday and today's broadcast is to remind you that you carry the gospel. Amen. You carry the gospel and you pass it off hand to hand in every generation. So it's not, you're not just throwing it long, Mm -hmm. right? You're not just the gospel, (laughs) right? You're not the gospel on my deathbed. Like it Mm -hmm. it is actively living out the gospel. This, this is how civilizations have been changed. This, Mm -hmm. this is indeed how America was formed. It's because of the gospel. Amen. Amen challenge like i mean like it just i mean come on right like this is and so what through faithful people faithful followers of the lord jesus christ and and that's the encouragement really um anyway welcome back i'm miki sorry and i'm will and that was roy <laughs> tosh with don't mind me very nice civilizations only hope uh this is part two of um picking up where we left off in yesterday's discussion I want to say something. I want to go back to the article that's looking at what's happening with the Los Angeles Unified School District. And I think it's important because you have such a large school district that is serving as um, sort of, um, I guess, an evangelistic outreach (laughs) (laughs) toward destruction, toward (laughs) wickedness. That's that's what we're looking at. Uh, So so how is it that parents could on the on the heels of sort of like. I guess, well, maybe not the heels, maybe we are headed towards. So on the cusp of sending our kids back to school, many of us all across this country, Mm. right? How could we be dull when we understand what's at stake? When we recognize uh, the indoctrination that is taking place, we recognize the aims. So what I'm, my clarion call is for um, massive, intense discipleship of children and doing those things that maybe in some instances you think are difficult, you think you can't do, but to really follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, to mm-hmm. understand what is at stake here. So for some of us, that means that we're going to take our kids out of public school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just pause because it, it, you get a process, right? So <laughs> right. for some of us, we recognize that our kids are in a situation that is really trying to rob them, trying to wrestle the ball away from them. That is the gospel, trying to rob them of the gospel, right? Robbing them of their innocence. We recognize that it's on a 10, okay? If 10 could be the highest level, we recognize that it's on a 10 and that our kids are not equipped. And so there comes a point where we have to, we have to ask the question. We have to say, wait a minute, am, am I working against all of my efforts here? Do I, do I have a kid who is ready to stand, Do I have a kid who can carry the gospel? And then I think the biggest question is, you know, is that something that's important to me? Mm. Does that, does, does that matter? Like what are my highest aims and my highest goals? And I understand that that will mess some people up, but Mm. I got to tell you that we are looking at a system that really banks on parents taking their hands off the kids and, and turning those kids over to them and saying, okay, pour in, pour Mm. in Mm. K-12, just pour in. So you look at what's happening with the um, L.A. Unified School District and how they are um, they've got their trance affirming calendar and their moves are to take the discussion of LGBTQ plus issues, if you will, from the scientific, if you will, the science classroom from the health and sexuality classroom and make that a part of the kids school experience. And here's something else that I think is interesting. I'm going to go back to this article that we were looking at yesterday. And by the way, we mentioned yesterday that this has been going on for a long time. And I thought it was important for you to hear a clip. So we'll play it for you here in just a second. Um, But these people recognize that there are many barriers to their goals and objectives. So it's the Christian parents with all their moral conviction, right? It's going to be the black parents 
with their traditional views of sexual orientation and gender. And they say this specifically. Mm. I want to share this with you. So this is why this is it's so interesting to me to look at how people are able to be kind of pit against one another. Right. And they want the, the division. Right. All only serves their interests. Yeah. This is why we are constantly talking about there's only us and them. There's only us and them. Mm. When it comes down to it, the Bible only gives you like the description, the eternal description, really, of two significant groups. Those who have life in Christ and those for whom it is true that the wrath of God remains on them. Mm. Yeah. Once you were not a people, now you are a people. The Apostle Peter wrote, right? So there are those who have life in Christ, but then there are those that the wrath of God remains on them. They are dead, even though they are walking around. And so when you think about it in those terms, then you think about the, the many divisions that our culture tries to keep in front of us, right, to render us ineffective. If we could tear those things down and recognize that eternity hangs in the balance, right, then we would be more effective. So here we go back to this article, um, looking at what the queer all school year Los Angeles Unified School District is um, doing as it forces gender theory into classrooms indiscriminately Man. like K-12. That's their aim. Like from, from, from the moment that you turn your kid over to us, um, this is our aim. This is what we seek to do. All right. So they've got um, a workshop, a workshop on, quote, International Transgender Day of Visibility that said the history history has a disturbing way of elevating certain voices while silencing others. The presentation focused on raising awareness for the transgender community to achieve, quote unquote, trans justice. And what we know, we know um, that whenever you can add justice to something, then you just broaden your audience. Yeah. Right. Whenever something becomes an issue of justice, like it's it's a violation of a person's rights, then you've got a whole new audience that's involved, a whole new audience that has, you know, their heartstrings tugged on and they feel like they've got to get involved. Back to the article. The quote, standing with LGBTQ plus students, staff and families run by school administrators taught that, quote, local social justice en engagement. I'm sorry, taught local social justice engagement and gave out free gender affirming clothing. Wow. Free gender affirming clothing. Teachers were instructed Man. how they can um, teach students that they could be both Muslim and trans. <laughs> Which, you know, for a long time, wow. there I'm was a great fear, yeah. right, in <laughs> touching the man, Muslim community. Bold. Like, they didn't, do, wow, okay. For a long time, people were out here like, you know, <laughs> we don't want no fatwas. Like, they, so they were like, <laughs> right. leaving it alone, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it just shows you how aggressive this is, man. that now they're teaching students that you can be both Muslim and trans. That's like, that, that is so worth a separate exploration, wow. you know, to understand where we are. <laughs> The kids are being taught that they can be Muslim and trans. They're being taught how to address different religious objections to gender theory. Mm. A trans affirming calendar deemed queer all school year featured different pride events in each month, such as the standing with the LGBTQ students conference, according to documents, the training program, queering culture and race promoted the abandonment of gender expressions such as boys and girls. Again, this is K-12 education. Why does this matter? Because this is not just a California thing. Right? This, this, these things become test cases so that this stuff can, can spread across the country, because spread around the country. That's what automatically happens when we hear California. We're like, we well, think, you know, oh, I know, but yeah, those people are, you know, 
man, right. but it spreads. Right. And, and, and when you think that this is the second, second largest um, school district in right. the country, um, roughly 700,000 students. Wow. Um, then what you have to consider is that <laughs> guys, these people are gro- These students are people growing up who are going to be making laws in our country. Like these people are going to own businesses or they're going to be the CEOs of existing businesses and they are and going to bring with them all stay in California. Exactly not <laughs> like precisely not. And that I believe that is the hope. I, I, right. I believe that that is the hope for the contagion right. that it would, that this would spread. And so you've got these people wow. bringing their worldview everywhere they go. It's like a missionary of sorts. Exactly right. Yikes. Exactly right. Yikes. And so you can't ignore when you see these things happening, when you read these, read about these things happening. I remember, um, I guess it was like two or three years ago where we were talking about um, the Austin yeah. Uh, Unified School District. Yeah. I think it's Austin or it Independent. Austin. Austin Independent uh, yeah. School District. I think. A-I- it was in Austin. SD. I it was sure. in Austin, um, where I just went. Through, I just I just went through their um, comprehensive sex ed curriculum. Yeah, we just took a few days and we just went through it. Went but through the again, games that they. People say Austin and like, oh, that's liberal. But that stuff, it, it, it's not contained. It, it spreads. We you, see it you, happening. You've got businesses right now that. Um, that are actively relocating to Florida <laughs> because they have, they have better opportunities there. It's, it's, it's friendlier to business, right? It's, it's, it's going to be more conducive to like, you know, free market and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, things like, you know, success. And so, so you've <laughs> got businesses right now that are relocating from places like California, moving to Florida. The problem is like when they go through customs, they don't they don't check like anything to declare as far as like your convictions, anything to declare right. as far as like your know. worldview, anything to declare as, <laughs> as far as, you know, as far as like your conservative views or liberal. Like, no, those things are not like they would probably care more if you were bringing fruit and nuts, which <laughs> I mean, in a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they would care more about that than they care about your worldview. And yet you've got this, you know, inter- interstate <laughs> transfer of ideas that's proliferating, that's kind of moving all about the country. And so what I'm saying is when you have these things happening to our children, and I want to be very specific in my wording, you have these things happening to our children, those children will grow up with a redefined sense of self. Yeah. They will grow up with a redefined understanding of sexuality, and they will bring that redefined understanding with them everywhere they go. Mm. In, in, in the, the, the halls of government, um, in, in law enforcement, wherever they are, business owners, future school teachers, okay? And sadly enough, in, in many of our congregations, mm. Mm. they will bring those convictions with them. And what will we have done to, to slow that down? in many instances, not much. I want to read this and then I want to play the clip because this is, um, you're going to hear Judy uh, Chasson back in 2011 talking about the long history of the California school district just really seeking to normalize um, LGBTQ plus issues and, and making sure that it's in every space and it's not something that's 10 years old, you know, that, that this goes back to 1988. I want to play that in just a second here. But I also want to acknowledge that there is an active pushback on the traditional values of the black community, which is why it was so important to link LGBTQ issues to black struggle. Mm. Why? Because it would silence black voices. So then you have black voices who can't speak out on issues of sin because you've got this national narrative that has connected 
black struggle to LGBTQ issues. So if you say, well, the Bible condemns homosexuality, then now what you have to explain is how you feel that way when didn't you have struggles? <laughs> Aren't you tired? Hasn't it been hard for you in America? When people, you, it's like you just want to say, what does that have to do with God's condemnation of sin? Like what, what does that have to do with that? But so many people are ill-equipped to be able to do that. This article, the black community, this is according to um, the, the training that is present in the um, Los Angeles Unified School District to basically queer students. Okay. Quote, the black community often holds rigid and traditional values or traditional views of sexual orientation and gender expression. Black LGBTQ youth experience homophobia and transphobia from their familial communities, which again, this goes back to our discussion as to why you've got to wrestle kids away from their families, mm. why you've got to wrestle kids away from their moms, why you've mm. got to form this new family, this new construct. Why? Because if you're going to train, if you're going to make disciples, you don't want anything competing with that. Wow. All right. So here we go. This is from 2011. This is Judy Chasson on the UCLA doing a UCLA interview where they're talking about um, being out and being proud and how they envision that this is back in 2011, how they envision that in the public school system in California. Here we go. Well, LA Unified has a very long history of a very firm stance in support of inclusion and affirming environments for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender students and staff. Um, so we have, I think our first uh, official proclamation was in 1988. So we go back a ways. On so this the school topic. board saying this is an aspect of inclusion? This is, yeah, safe and affirming campuses since 1988. Um, so we feel very strongly that all students and all family members in our schools should feel welcome. And one of the best ways to really show that we welcome a community is for them to be represented in the curriculum. Um, I grew up, I'm old enough to grow up in an age when my curriculum was whitewashed, mm -hmm. you know, and it wasn't until I started, when I got older, I started learning about really the richness of, of America and all that we've contributed. So we don't want our students to grow up um, in this isolated environment and not see the, what a pluralistic society that we have. So we definitely have advocated and practiced inclusion. Isn't it interesting mm. that the opposite of the LGBTQ plus representation, right? The opposite of that is whitewashing. <laughs> it's interesting how mm. like that, yeah. that sexual deviation, right? In all of its forms and all of its manifestation wow. is sort of like just juxtaposed against whiteness, wow. right? Like just, just every, just, just everything yeah. white. And so we've got to change that. We've got to shift that. And how do we do that? Um, not by bringing in oh ethnic diversity, right? No, it's it is it's sort of everything else, mm. which should be so offensive to anyone <laughs> in that category right. that is not like representing sin. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it should be like wait. Should be. <laughs> hold up a second here. You you are. You're talking about sexual confusion. Right. You're, you're talking about gender dysphoria and, and you're including 
black people and Hispanic people and Asian people and that like should be outraged. I don't understand like why, but people just don't know that they can be. Mm. They don't know that they can find that offensive. All right, when we come back, I want to go to Kentucky and talk further about equipping your kids. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Will the Great, did you choose this song on purpose? I did. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, because that's where we're going. I okay, mean, awesome. Know, I'll try. Oh, man. Yeah, good. <laughs> I was listening and I was like, that boy. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about the origins of life. Um, look, we get, we get emails where people will say, because we'll mention things sort of in passing. Oh, I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that was Details by Sarah Reeves. Sarah Reese's details. You can. That's a great song. Yes. Um, so so we'll get we'll get questions because we'll men- mention things uh, in passing that we actively are discipling our children, and this is our call. And unapologetically, like actively disciple your children. Like do mm. the small things every day. Do the small things. They're big things, right? But I just I want to take a little weight off by using <clears throat> the word small. So do the small <laughs> things every day um, where you are actively trying to see where your kids are, where your grandkids are. Have these conversations with them. Bring them back to scripture. And look, the thing is, you you can prepare ahead of time. So you can you can decide on the topic that you're going to address. You've read some headlines and you've decided that these headlines are appropriate for their age because right. you've got different ages, right? So you pick the age appropriate headline and then you you present the the information. But you're ready to have a conversation about this where you then bring in. Okay, here's the headline. Let's talk about this. Do we have any biblical conviction here? Do we know where we stand on this issue based on what the word of God says? So, so here, this article is an example of what I would use with our big three. So the big three would be 12 to 15. So 12, 14, 15, um, they have enough of a foundation. They have enough maturity uh, for the content where we can talk about what it is to be pro-life. We can talk about life beginning at conception and and this is a good conversation for us to have. So this would be an example of an article that I would use um, in the course of talking with them and then bring it in scripture. And then also I would show a video. I would show a video. And in fact, we're going to play a clip from a video that, um, that I would, I would suggest again, make sure that your kid is ready. Um, but it's, it's kind of, it's, Whenever someone does a video where they have a British accent, you know you can trust what they're saying. You know it's science. Okay? That's just funny. because the British know science. That's a joke, Americans. I'm just, I'm just, just, and I was joking. Okay? Um, but here's the article. And so I'm going to show you what this looks like, right? Because we, we, we have to be active. We can't be passive. So here's an article. This is an article from the Christian Post. And this headline grabbed my attention, which I was aware of this because our teaching pastor talked about this at church, how we need to keep an eye on Kentucky. I think it was Kentucky, Right. So. That that Abe mentioned. If I'm wrong about that, then Abe send me a text and correct I me. You're right. um, but I think it was Kentucky where um, he mentioned that we needed to keep an eye on what's going on in Kentucky based on the trigger laws and what would happen with the overturning of Roe, and then you know um, what might signal the direction that other states would go in 
All right. So this headline is the judge rules that life beginning at conception is a, quote, distinctly Christian idea and blocks Kentucky abortion ban. Okay, so let me read the story and then we'll get into it. And also, let me get some phones, phone, um, phone lines queued up. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. All right. A judge has temporarily blocked two Kentucky laws that would effectively ban abortion in nearly all circumstances, claiming that the idea of life beginning at conception is a distinctly Christian view. So that's going to be that's going to be my that's going to be my starting point there is the fact that life begins at conception, a distinctly Christian view, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So back to the article here, two abortion clinics recently filed suit against Kentucky over two laws, one that bans most abortions after six weeks into a pregnancy and a trigger ban set to take effect due to the U S Supreme court overturning Roe versus Wade in June. Jefferson Circuit Court Judge Mitch Perry issued an order last Friday granting a temporary injunction against the state enforcing the two laws, building off of an earlier injunction. Mm -hmm. Perry concluded that the plaintiffs suing the state over the two laws had, quote, demonstrated at the very least a substantial question to the merits regarding the constitutionality of both the trigger ban and the six week ban. End quote. Now, let me stop here for a second. The problem here is that the premise that this judge comes from, the the basis of his argument is flawed in that if you say that you that life begins at conception, you are making a religious statement. And his point is that the state cannot favor one religion over the other. Right. So there are some religious faiths that say life does not begin at conception. The problem with this is that while life beginning at conception is a Christian, is a biblical worldview, science confirms the veracity of that claim. You, you've got biology to affirm what the Christians say. Now, I want to begin with, yeah, this is what the Christians say. Yep. This is a biblical worldview unapologetically. Right. But interestingly enough, we actually have science on our side. Like how many of us can remember those grainy videos where you sat in your high school classroom and they <laughs> talked about the miracle of life. And everybody was like, arr, arr, I wish my mom had opted me out. Arr. Like it's just arr, right. Like we all agreed that life began at conception. Like scientists be- believe and agree, not because it's a faith con- conviction, but because they have the evidence, they're looking at it. It's repeatable. It's yeah. you can you can observe it. It happens. Like, yes, it's a unique life. All right, here's clip two. Meanwhile, inside the egg, the tightly packed male genetic material spreads out. A new membrane forms around the genetic material, creating the male pronucleus. Inside, the genetic material reforms into 23 chromosomes. The female genetic material, awakened by the fusion of the sperm with the egg, finishes dividing, resulting in the female pronucleus, which also contains 23 chromosomes. As the male and female pronuclei form, spiderweb-like threads, called microtubules, pull them toward each other. The two sets of chromosomes join together, completing the process of fertilization. 
At this moment, a unique genetic code arises, instantly determining gender, hair color, eye color, and hundreds of other characteristics. This new single cell, the zygote, is the beginning of a new human being. And now the cilia in the fallopian tube gently sweep the zygote toward the uterus, where he or she will implant in the rich uterine lining, growing and maturing for the next nine months until ready for birth. That's from the YouTube channel <laughs> Nucleus Medical right. Media, which is really a problem. <laughs> it's a problem for liberals in so many ways. Yeah. Everything that this man just said, right? And and by the way, this is this would be a video, and it's about five minutes in length, so we just pulled a little bit from it. But this would be a video that we would show our kids because it, it goes through the miracle of conception, look, looking at what incredible feats, right, must be accomplished in order for you to exist. That it, there's no way that it's Man, random, that it, that is God's complete design. It's, yes. it's absolutely amazing. Backed by science, <laughs> no backed mistakes. by biology, right? No <laughs> mistakes. God does this on purpose. I mean, it's, it's just absolutely incredible. But this would be a conversation where we'd say, hey, so you've got a judge in Kentucky that says um, that he's upset that the protection and the defense of life um, and believing that life begins at conception is uniquely Christian mm. and that it is the, the, the favoring of one religious faith over another. Um, biologically speaking, is that true? And this is where we'd have the conversation. We'd say, so first we want to begin with the scriptures. We want to look at Psalm 139, yeah. where David declares that he is fearfully and wonderfully made, that he's been woven together, knit together in his mother's womb, that the Lord saw his unformed substance. That's right. That his days were numbered before they were even one of them lived, right? <laughs> so yes, we begin first with the biblical conviction we begin first with our knowledge of God and the conviction that everything he does is good and right and true and that he causes life, that he is the author of life. But we don't stop there. We actually continue with the conviction that, man, and then like a few years ago, if you said to a person, I, I can trust the science, they would have been like, yeah, rah, yeah, rah. But now they're like, no, there's no such thing as science. <laughs> the science has become subjective now. <sighs> the science was once objective truth. Or you would say, this is objectively true. We've been able to study this. We've been able to measure it. We've been able to test it. We've been able to repeat it. And, and we've come to determine that it's true. But now they say that's hateful. Guys, I mean, you can, you, you can argue with me. You can, and we're going to go to the phone lines here. You can argue with me. You can argue with the Bible if you want. How dare you? But, but you cannot argue with that British voice. That British voice right there is what knocked it out of the <laughs> out of the park. When you when when eight 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 five eight nine eight eight four zero eight 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 five eight nine eight eight four zero. Will the great? Where do we go first? All right, let's go to Mark in Virginia. Hi, Mark. Oh, uh, hello, Addisons. How are you? Pretty hello. good. Uh, I just wanted to let you know I listen to your show uh, almost every day, and I also I just wanted to. Make sure that you are aware that that quote of America is great uh, because America is good is not from uh, Alexis de Tocqueville. Okay. What's, do you, where's your reference for that? Wasn't that well, based on his observation um, about I, the greatness read, of America? Right. I read uh, uh, Democracy in America. It's not in that. Also, um, it, so is it apocryphal? He, he wouldn't have written something in alliteration when he, he would write in, in French. Uh, it's something that was originally written in English. Also, if you look it up on WikiQuote, uh, you can see that it is falsely attributed. 
Oh, let me okay. look that up. Let me. That's good. I appreciate you that know, correction. I'll say this too. I did read some of that book that he's talking about. Yeah, I thought we, we had that in our possession. We, we do. And but the thing is, uh, if that direct reference is not in there, the idea is he alludes to that it. he that when he did come over, that's one of the things that he did see, as well as other things, you know. But um, so that direct quote, I, you know, I can't say that Mark is wrong, but I will say that that is something that is talked about even in that book. Is that is that all you wanted to say, Mark? You just wanted to slap us a little bit. <laughs> I just, just, a, I just, just a little spank on the hand a lot from other people and so i thought oh well i'll call in and and let them know well thank yeah, you so much it's, mark. it's man thank you so much for the public rebuke it's it's one, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding mark mark i'm just kidding listen i will say this though we do have that book in our possession and i remember years ago us talking about it and exploring it but i did not read the book in its entirety so i can't argue with you and say that no, he didn't say it, but I know that the premise is there. I know that his observations about what made America great is because of the moral fabric of this country. Yeah. Um, so, but I'll go back. I, I can't and promise you that I'm going to read it in the next few weeks. I just don't this have time. This is a pretty big book. And the thing it is, is huge. It, in comparison from where he was coming from, there was a major difference. And that was one of the main differences that God was, you know, esteemed here. But anyway. Yeah, and I may need, I may, I may not need to, um, to read it if i could just go to wiki quotes i'm just kidding mark i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i'm just kidding mark thank you so much for listening to the show i appreciate you calling in and telling us to check our facts so we can do that for sure will the great where do we go next let's go to mike in illinois hi mike yeah hi hello go ahead um i was just calling to um thank you all for what you do um and if i can get through this without busting out i'm sorry but um um, the abortionists are coming across our state lines. Hmm. We're a very, unfortunately, a very liberal. Well, we're not a very liberal state, but we got Chicago. Yeah. Mm. Um, and and um, my hometown um, of Carbondale, down in southern Illinois, mm-hmm. um, is home to several new abortion clinics on the way. Wow. Um, they've got advertisements in Memphis. They've got advertisements just south of St. Louis. Um, come to Carbondale um, for your, I guess, abortion needs. And it's um, it's just really disheartening. Um, you know, I've lived here my whole life, and I had a, I'm a general contractor, had a, um, had one of these abortionists coming from Texas, deceived me he told me he was coming here to open up a medical services facility and i met with them and um didn't realize till after i'd met with them that that's who they were they're getting run out of texas and they needed to get they needed to get here fast they needed it open by the first week in september um wow so we really need some prayer in this area bad um Mm. You know, Mike, I, I was thinking as wow. you were talking, and, and I, I'm going to say that the request and, and, and the, the, the outcry for prayer is not a throwaway request. If you go back and, and you look at even before Roe, you look before the legalization, which it was never legal, but we understand terms here, of abortion in this country, and you look at states like New York— um, where people would go to have their abortions, right? Where people, where they were performing abor- abortions, quote unquote, legally before it was legal countrywide. The effects of that, spiritually speaking, are dire. Mm. Um, and you look at what you would consider um, 
New York City, like the abortion capital, um, death is in the air. Death is in the air. And you see the effects of that. And so you can't help but be concerned, especially for believers living in areas of the country, pockets of the country where there's going to be an influx of uh, people coming into their state to murder their babies. Yeah. You absolutely need prayer. Yeah. All right. We're out of time. We're off to read the Tocqueville until tomorrow. <laughs> Lord willing. <laughs> God bless.